Hey, a couple of quick housekeeping notes here before we get to the IU Troy postgame show. Number one, Andy hosted this show. I wasn't able to watch the game live, so I wasn't able to host. But as you'll hear, there's a popping uh, coming from his side of the audio in the very beginning. It only lasts through his introduction. So I know it's annoying, and I apologize. He was recording in a different location than he normally is, and something just went haywire. But as soon as he's done with his intro and Ryan starts talking, it goes away. So if you can just kind of power through those first four or five minutes there, it goes away and it gets much better. So again, apologies for that. But as you're listening to it, it does get better. Number two, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that we're moving the banner morning updates to a separate feed just to make sure that there's a little bit less clutter on this feed. And for those of you who only you know, subscri- you know, download the latest episode or only have the latest episode up, I know that you were you know, missing out on the latest episode of Assembly Call Radio or post-game shows because so many new episodes were coming so fast. So we're, we put the Banner Morning episodes on their own feed, and now it's up everywhere. So I know it wasn't before, but now it is. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it's an Amazon Alexa flash briefing. So everywhere you look, if you want to get those three-minute updates, uh, Cam and Dylan are doing them. I think they're doing a really good job, and they've been improving. Um, so you know, really happy with the job that they're doing. Uh, just search for Banner Morning anywhere you look. I'll also put a link on the website to those. Um, but you'll find those, subscribe to it, and then you'll have it just like it was now. But if you don't subscribe to the separate Banner Morning feed, we're going to stop putting those in the main Assembly Call feed. So for those of you who just want our Assembly Call Radio uh, postgame show and Banner Morning episodes, those are going to be the ones that are in the main Assembly Call feed. Uh, and last note before we get to the postgame show, got to give a huge hat tip to Ward and Eric from Hoosier Hysterics for the event that they put on. I so wish I had been able to go up to that. It looked like an amazing event. All of those former IU players who were there, Coach Knight being there, and really to me, most importantly, all the fans who were there, all of the enthusiastic fans like Kent who drove up from Atlanta and you know other people who drove from out of state to be there, and all of the enthusiasm you know, for Ward and Eric to put that together is really amazing. And, you know, I've just been so impressed with the interviews that those guys do um, and getting to know Eric a little bit on a personal level, just as genuine an IU fan as you could imagine. And, you know, it is not surprising that uh, that he would be part of putting together an event that brought together players and coaches and fans into one room for just something that's going to be so memorable for everybody. So I wish I could have been there. But either way, it was you know it was nice to, to kind of live vicariously through those who were, and a huge tip of the cap to those guys. They just they put on a great event for IU fans. Their their, their podcast is a great service to IU fans, um, and just you know almost you know speechless for what to say because I just think what they did was really fantastic. So if you're not subscribed to Hoosier Hysterics yet, make sure that you go over there and subscribe to those guys. They're doing great work. All right, that is all the housekeeping notes. Thank you, and now let's go with the IU Troy postgame show. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious edition of the Assembly Call. Today, your Indiana Hoosiers beat the Troy Trojans 100-62 in a game that, for about 24 minutes, was really, really impressive for IU, uh, and then got a a little bit sloppy there down the stretch. But it was, uh, IU played with a lot of intensity to start the game, uh, and even to start the second half, I thought the activity level was far better than what we had seen and, and kind of complained about after a couple of the other games. And I thought that in general, um, you know, the, just the defensive effort, the motion on offense, a uh, team that really came out ready to play 
and uh, and turned in a really strong first half, scored 58 points in the first half, came out uh, erased. Not that there was really any doubt, but uh, started with a really strong uh, opening four minutes of the second half and, uh, and really just kind of cruised from there. Uh, even saw Archie toward the end of the game cracking a smile and, uh, and joking a little bit on the sidelines, which is which is pretty rare, I would say. So, uh, you know, but IU moves to 4-0 in the season. They continue to take care of business. Uh, in this game, they actually get Devontae Green back. Uh, he was able to play. Um, definitely some rust with him, as we've seen with some of the other players coming back from injury. Uh, but overall, uh, good to see him out on the court. Uh, of course, with this team, as uh, has been the case lately, uh, you can't have everybody healthy at the same time. So Rob Finnessy sat out uh, the game tonight due to illness and uh, potentially even a little banged up from the end of the game the other night. So uh, maybe at some point this year, we'll see this team at full strength. But uh, that was not tonight. Uh, but nonetheless, IU played really well in a 100-62 to victory. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, here with Ryan Phillips, and we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. And let's start the show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. Uh, and and for me, the banner moment in this, I, I had a couple. I had one queued up, but uh, really the way IU opened the second half I thought was, was really important. We wanted to see... Uh, killer instinct is probably a little bit overused, but we wanted to see, you know, IU really kind of put their foot on the throat of an opponent uh, when they had taken an advantage over the course of the uh, the non-conference so far. And IU came out after that 58-32, uh, I believe, halftime lead and came out and outscored Troy 17-4 to before the first media timeout in the second half. Troy missed a few threes, I think four to be more specific, uh, to start the half. And IU uh, really shared the ball well during that stretch. Had a number of guys contribute. Armand Franklin made a three. Al made a three. Armand made another jumper. Uh, Joey Brunk even made an elbow jumper. Justin made a three. Uh, Trace was effective inside. Joey Brunk was effective inside. Just a really good stretch of basketball coming out of the locker room. Uh, and I thought that was important to kind of, you would hope it maybe it carried over the performance a little bit more, but I thought it uh, showed a you know, good for IU to sustain that first half performance. And they played, uh, played really well to start the second half again, put a little bit more separation against them and really never look back at that media timeout. It was 75 to 36 uh, and IU pretty much cruised from there. So for me being able to do that and, um, and that really, you know, seemed to be, uh, seemed to be positive for IU. thought they got off to a good start. And like I said, kind of, kind of cruised from there. Uh, so our banner moment tonight, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, which was founded by an IU grad and remains based in Indianapolis. If you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on over at Homefield Apparel, you really need to go to their website, homefieldapparel.com, as soon as you can to check it out. Homefield still has the incredibly comfortable Bison logo hoodie, which I wore to take in this IU victory tonight, which is made out of their soft tri-blend material. In addition to the Bison hoodie and the IU Basketball Champions t-shirt and the vintage sneakers design, Homefield has also been releasing an IU football-inspired design each week during the football season. Feel free to tempt fate by getting the 9 Windiana shirt, which now has serious potential to be called the greatest called shot in sports apparel history, or consider any of their other unique vintage designs that you simply cannot find anywhere else, and certainly not a material this comfortable. Here's one final note that you need to know before you order. Because you're a member of the Assembly Call audience, you get a massive discount when you order at homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. That's assembly code or that's assembly20 for 20% off your order. Go to homefieldapparel.com today and get the most unique and comfortable IU apparel anywhere. 
Now it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which tonight is Ryan Phillips. So, Ryan, what is your rant for this evening? Is it about the Big Ten officiating from the football game earlier today, or would you like to uh, keep the rant basketball? Passing. I'm just going to stick with basketball. Uh, I just thought it was another... I mean, this was probably the most complete performance we've seen from IU yet this year, but I think that it's also just... You saw guys look engaged from the get-go, and you didn't see a drop-off as the game went on. I think late, maybe last 10 minutes of the second half was a little ragged just because that happens in a huge blow. You get up 40, and nobody's focusing the way they did earlier. But I thought we saw in that last 10 minutes, you saw some fits and starts of really focused play and smart play. Uh, But it was almost like a pickup game in the last 10 minutes. But that's what happens when you get a 40-point blowout. Um, What I will say... Uh, is that it was really encouraging just seeing again for, you know, the fourth straight time, just seeing them pound the rock inside and, and really take advantage of their size and length on the interior on both ends of the court, really, but also to see uh, what's emerging as a great duo on the interior, which is Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. I think it's it's becoming increasingly clear that's their best front court duo. And and we talked about the duos and, and possibly matching big guys early in the year. Maybe would you see Brunk and Deron Davis? That's like an afterthought at this point. It's going to be Trace and Race Thompson are your best two guys, I think, on the interior. And especially because both can step out on the floor and handle themselves on the floor on offense and on defense. They can pass the ball. They can dribble. They can move the ball around. They could, you know, even they have the confidence to take jump shots. And that's just something that Indiana hasn't had that really versatile big man in the last couple of years you had Jawan Morgan last year but because of depth issues and because of injuries he essentially had to play as a center and wasn't allowed to really roam as much as he probably thought that he could and and um I just think it's interesting to see that we have two guys in Thompson and, J- and Jackson Davis who can score can rebound like crazy can block shots play defense have energy and can step out on the floor a little bit. I mean, they're not going to sit there and be knocked down three-point shooters, but they have the versatility and athleticism to step away from the basket. Um, On both ends of the floor, you've seen them both switch on to guards at times and hold their own. Uh, That's obviously not something you're going to want to see all game from them, but it's really that ability to to help the defense out in, in multiple ways and help the offense out in multiple ways. So I thought that that was really just became increasingly clear today that those two guys are going to be the best post duo that Indiana has. And then you saw Justin Smith really bounce back with a, with a better performance after a really bad one last uh, in the last game. So really saw him be confident and, and, you know, in his shot and be confident with his driving ability, all of that. So, um, um, I just I felt like it was a really nice showing from from the front court uh, and picking up the backcourt because Rob Finnessy's out. So um, I would say you know that's a positive and and uh, I'm really excited about what we saw from them. Yeah, the, it's funny that you mentioned them because um, I actually had a, a play that the two of them made as one of the banner moments in the uh, in the first half. There was a stretch where they came out. I think between the two of them, they scored eight ish points in a row I want to say right around the time and it it was it coincided with the time that 
uh, you know, we were texting about how well those two were playing together. And yeah, there was a stretch where for over four possessions, you know, the two of them combined to score, um, you know, eight points in a row. And one of those was a really nice feed from race to trace uh, as he came down the lane and, and finished. And, uh, you know, I do think we can. They're both just smart players, too. They find yeah. each other and, and they just have good court awareness, too. It's great to see. Yeah, I thought in general, just the, the interior passing was really good. A lot of the big guys made some really nice passes out of the post. Um, you know, Duran had a few. I think Joey Brunk even had a uh, a pass where he threw across to Armand. I think there were just a number of those kinds of plays. Um, but I do think, you know, as, as we talked about that, you, you're trying to look ahead to if and when this team is ever back to full strength from a, a lineup standpoint, what does that lineup look like? And, um, and I think if you wanted to play smaller and play guys like trace and uh, race together or either one of those guys and Justin Smith, uh, I think you can certainly make an argument that those have been uh, the lineups where I use been most effective this year in the For way sure. that those two guys play together. And uh, you know, the way they complement each other and, and they made a comment on the broadcast toward the end about how I think Archie had mentioned that, you know, Justin Smith and uh, Jerome Hunter had, you know, kind of sharpened one another because they're similar in some ways and, and kind of making each other in practice. I think you could probably, uh, you know, if you're a fly on the wall in practice, assume the same thing about race and trace because they play, um, you know, they play so well together and complement each other well uh, defensively. But uh, I guess that's a good segue to trace. I mean, he ended up 17 points, 14 rebounds, uh, actually missed, actually missed four free throws, which was surprising given uh, how he well missed, he shot the ball from there. And he missed three in a row. So it was clearly something was just off with his stroke for like three in a row. And then he figured, you know, I, you know I'm not, yeah. it's not something I'm worried about. And he, it really knocked down the team percentage too. And so I was yeah. kind of like, oh, trace, what are you doing? We're, well, I, I know exactly what it was. My, my daughter was sitting next to me on the couch and he made the first one and she goes, he never misses free throws. And then he missed the next of three. Of course. So, Mallory, on, Which uh, dot Mallory? Okay, yeah, yeah, she's well. in deep trouble. But uh, I'd like that she recognized that he was a good free throw shooter. But the, the well, jinxing of him could I, we could have done without. I I think he may have been a little tired because he didn't he didn't flow through his release on those. He he like kind of stiffened up and then fired it, and there were all three were line drives. So uh, something you don't normally see from him. So I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. But yeah, he did miss those three in a row. It was kind of like, oh man, we've been shooting so well. Why'd you have to do that? <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought between he and, and Justin, they really set the tone early just with their activity yeah, level. Sure. Um and, and I think and, and and while he didn't have any points to show for it, Race Thompson was really active early as well. Um he didn't have the counting stats, the rebounds and the and the the points to show for it, but he was super active early as well. They were all really jumped in early and and looked really good, I thought. Yeah, so you know, Justin was a guy I think everybody was a little bit I don't know, disappointed in whatever you want to say in that North Alabama game. And I think I, I think this was on the radio show on, on Thursday. I think coach and Jared both had kind of said, yeah, maybe everybody was a little too hard on him that he was a little bit more maybe into that game than I think people thought, you know, he didn't score mm-hmm. well, didn't play well. Um, but, but what did you see from him tonight that was maybe different than, you know, in looking back at that North Alabama game, different in the way that he played that allowed him to be more effective. Well, he, he was just engaged. I mean, I, it, it, from the get go, it looked like he was ready to attack and, you know, he took a three early and made it. Um, I think that really boosted him. He was taking jumpers, which we hadn't really seen. We'd seen him miss some threes and take, you know, a kind of a, a long jumper earlier in the season, but it had mostly been his, his attack had been mostly towards the rim. And so to see him step out and have confidence sitting 
both of the three pointers he took. He hit four free throws, uh, you know, four out of four free throws. But he was attacking at the rim, and you know, he was working on defense to to get stops and things like that. So he was engaged on both ends of the floor and on every level offensively. I felt like, um, and you know, I I think we were a little harsh from the uh, Northern Alabama game, but I, I also think that there's just sometimes a, a a look in his eye he gets when he's ready to attack. And he, I didn't see that in that game. And I thought tonight, I thought he really did. And I thought that he was looking for, you know, offensive rebounds, which we hadn't seen in a while. And he grabbed two of them and, you know, his ability to score on offensive rebounds is really high because he's so athletic that if he gets it that close to the hoop, he's going to score. I mean, more often than not. So, um, I, you know, eight of nine from the field, 22 points. He had five rebounds, two offensive um, you know, and then he also had two assists and he had a block. I mean, he was just and three steals was the other thing. You know, it's when Justin is as engaged as his teammates and as involved as his teammates, you're going to see the positive results. And he's so athletic and so physically gifted. We've been waiting for it. We can't, we always talk about it. We've been waiting for it. And I will take three games of this versus one game of a negative performance all season. I'll take that. Because that's just a college basketball player. Some nights they have nights off. The The question is, are we going to get it 50-50? Are we going to get it, you know, 40 bad, 60% good? Or 40% uh, good, 60% bad? Are we going to, how is it going to play out? And and I think that um, what we've seen so far has been really positive for him. His last game, okay, we'll give that a, just a, that was a bad night. But I do think that um, he's a guy who can really be a game changer for this team if he's in attack mode and can play like he did tonight. Yeah, one thing that uh, Chad brought up on the on the radio show on Thursday, he did a great job filling in. And among the points that he made was that Justin always seems to, you know, really play better when he can get involved early. And he makes a three on that first possession of the game tonight, and it was, you know, kind of got him rolling downhill from there. Uh, but yeah, I think just overall activity level was was really good from him and and on both ends, race yeah. and race. Yeah, they were they were locked in defensively, which is the other thing I wanted to talk about. So there was. You know, so much was made of of how much the defense was struggling and and not playing well. Uh, I thought tonight, short of you know putting them on the foul line a lot, which we had another uh, foul fest. Uh, I think twenty two fouls by the under eight timeout in the first half or something like that. Um, but the thing that Troy came into the game doing really well was shooting the three, and they finished the game four of twenty or five of twenty five uh, in total, including one of eleven in the second half and. You know, that, that they ran them off the three point line. Was I mean, a point of emphasis. Really I, yeah, I thought they did a nice job for the most part. They had a few uh, bad closeouts that I felt like in the first half that I felt like Troy took advantage of basically every one of them for, yeah. uh, you know, points in general. But you could definitely tell it was an emphasis. And again, I'd love to see the, you know, defensive numbers kind of through that first media timeout in the second half because I felt like everything uh, from that point forward was a little bit. I don't know what you really draw from it on from anyone's perspective. Um, But I did think overall this, the defensive intensity and awareness uh, was pretty strong for the first, you know, 24 ish minutes. Um, And then again, as we said, you get into a 35 point blowout that goes out the window. It just does. It doesn't matter how hard you coach him. It doesn't matter what you say in huddles. You might get a player or two that goes well, but once, I mean, everybody relaxes when you're up by that much on both teams, really. And it's just, you realize the game's over. Let's just get through it. And guys start going one-on-one and things like that. It's just, everything goes out the window at that point. So I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I'm not saddened by it. It just is the way it is. And so you're right. The defense for that first 25 minutes, great. After that, eh, 
You know, I mean, it just, it happens. Yeah, they had, uh, I think at halftime, they had forced 12 turnovers and scored 19 points off of it. So that was a positive. Only ended up forcing 16 turnovers for the game. Uh, but in total, Troy shot 27% from the floor, 9% from three-point range, uh, and 52.9% from the line. through the. So the uh, free-throw defense is... Uh, it's back in effect. But anything else stand out for your, from your standpoint from the defensive end other than just well, kind just, of be, looking more locked in, which feels a little bit intangible, but it, you can just, but there's a vibe you get. Um, it, you know, one thing I will say, you know, defensive rebound, they wind up destroying them on the rebound count again, uh, which is going to be a theme for this team, which I think is great in the Big Ten is because rebounding typically, you rebound, you make your free throws. It's tough to beat you in the Big Ten. Uh, they had 51 to 38 in this game uh, against North Alabama. That didn't show up very much because there were so many free throws that that really the 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 rebounding advantage didn't show very very highly. But I will say 36 defensive rebounds. They had 15 offensive rebounds. I know we're talking about defense, but if you look at the rebounding uh, uh, numbers, it'd be skewed a little bit. If, and it, if you don't consider that 15 offensive rebounds, that's that's unbelievable, and that's where you win a game is being able to give yourself second chances. So the defense was great. The defensive rebounding was great, but that offensive rebound also took it to another level, I think. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. I thought, I thought just the overall a strong performance, a good bounce back from where they had been. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will continue as we move forward into the rest of the, uh, the non-conference slate, which again, I don't think is going to provide a ton of challenges, but, uh, opportunities to develop good habits, which hopefully this team can do needed and get some confidence. Exactly. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to continue our breakdown of IU's 100-62 victory over Troy. We'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed and then go inside the numbers. Stick with us on the assembly call. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 100-62 victory over Troy. And it's time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And there were a couple that I had circled, um, not really in any particular area, but one I think is worth uh, talking about Devante. Um, I think, I think it was Jared who had mentioned a bit about, you know, what he can do defensively and, and how he might be able to reverse some of the trends and, and things like that. And, uh, for me that started, you know, so I really watched that when he came into the game and the first possession, uh, that he had on defense, he had a deflection. So, uh, anybody that was really, you know, charting deflections during the game, he got one right off the bat. But then later in that possession, had a really good challenge on a three-pointer that hit only the backboard, didn't even hit the rim. On his second possession, had nice uh, help defense and cut off a baseline drive. And I thought in general, um, you know, played, you know, for a guy who did look rusty on the offensive end, I think didn't really have his legs uh, a lot, did eventually knock down a couple shots. I thought he was pretty engaged defensively and did a nice job of, uh, you know, putting ball pressure on uh, the Troy guard. So I thought that was important to see. And again, I I think at this point we're trying to figure out and look at, Hey, what does this team look like when everybody's together? How much does it help if Al's able to slide over and guard more wing players as opposed to, you know, primary ball handlers? 
and uh, and that starts with having a healthy Devonte. And I thought he did a decent job uh, overall on the defensive end. So uh, Ryan, anything you saw from him on the defensive end, or or offensively, just as he's you know clearly rusty, um, but sure. was able to get some good minutes and get back in the groove. I thought it was great that towards the end of the game he hit a three pointer. Uh, I thought early on it looked pretty clear that his shot was a little short. Like he's still getting his game legs. You know, he just uh, he had a couple threes that were good shots online, but just wound up being short or you know just over the rim, hit the back of the rim and came out. Um, stuff that should get worked out as he gets into shape. I'm not worried about that. Um, he also uh, missed a free throw too that kind of went in and out. That he just, I think he just rushed a little bit. But he played 20 minutes, only turned the ball over once, which has always been a bugaboo for for Devonte. So I think that's a huge positive. And the fact that IU played really well when he was in the game. I mean, he may not have hit his shots, but I felt like everybody played well. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to make it the Devonte show. Uh, and and sometimes he got into that he's gotten into that habit while he's been at IU and that's we've heard about a more mature Devonte Green and you know all that stuff and so tonight I have no reason to believe anything else he, he looked like he wanted to play within the system he was playing off the ball too Al Durham was bringing the ball up most of the night so uh, he was able to play off the ball which I know he in some instances prefers and is a much better scorer out of that system and you know might be smoother when Rob Finnessy comes back if he's playing off the ball and, and Rob has the ball um so I, I just think that it was a positive night for Devontae as he builds up. He played 20 minutes. I was expecting him to play maybe 10, 15, just based on what we were hearing. But he played a full 20 minutes, put in a full shift. And, you know, he was. I, I liked that he was able to drive in and, and get a quick little jumper before the half to go in. I mean, we've seen him hit that floater before. Uh, it's sort of his go-to thing. He doesn't usually go to the rim. He likes. He prefers a floater to a layup, um, and and he prefers a three-pointer. And those those are really the shots he takes. And and to see him hit that and look comfortable doing it was a positive. Um, and on the threes, he was one of six on the night. Really lowered IU's percentage by by missing five of them. But at the same time. Uh, I felt like most of them were in rhythm. He just rushed them a little and and maybe didn't get as much lift on his on his legs out of his legs as he would normally if he was healthy. So positive night all around. I thought he played well defensively, as you mentioned. I thought he looked engaged and uh, was was you know good with his help, good with his recovery. A um, couple little knocks here and there where maybe he got lost, but it's his first game action, so you expect that. Uh, but over all in all, really positive night. I think. Uh, also turned in four, got four assists, so he's looking for his teammates, which is what you want out of a guy like Devontae, as well as the scoring prowess. Yeah, he had four assists, just the one turnover, uh, which yeah, came... Yeah, that was big. Yeah, came late in the game when it was it was pretty ragged. But I did think, I think he was emblematic of IU's, you know, the way they excelled in in transition because he was able to get out and find guys. I thought he, I thought overall, good first showing from him. Certainly some things to get better, but a good uh, good starting point from him. Uh, other guy, and I'll, I'll bring up this moment to talk about him was, uh, Demise Anderson. And there was a, a, pl- a point in the first half, um, where he just made a really smart cut through the middle of the court. I think this yep. was right around when Troy started going to his own and basically hit a turnaround jumper from, I think around the elbow. Uh, and he was, you know, he had 12 points in eight minutes in the first half. I'm not sure that he missed at all. Uh, when he was out there, hit a couple threes. And, uh, he missed he, one early. I guess he I missed think. one. Yeah, he missed a, he missed an early three. But yeah, hit a couple threes. Um, you know, did some work on the offensive glass. I think he ended up with a couple um, couple baskets off of his own offensive rebounds 
over the course six of the night. rebounds too. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought he played. I, I just thought he played really well, and I thought he moved well off the ball. I, I, other guys did as well, and I, I think that was highlighted by you know the big guys being able to make some really nice passes. But I thought that one in particular just showed a guy who is kind of wired to score, but starting yes. to recognize some of the uh, you know openings that that the way his teammates are playing are going to create for him. I will say this about Demise Anderson. The man does not lack for confidence. Uh, there was one time he got an offensive rebound just immediately, and he wasn't in a great position, just immediately jumped and shot it up, and it went right in. It was, I mean, he's very confident in his ability. And look, I've I've been very skeptical about Demise since they recruited him about, you know, I'm not sure that his game translates well, like what he did scoring wise in high school translates well to college basketball to work in a system. And his, his shot is not the cleanest thing. You would never teach Demise Anderson shot to a kid learning basketball, but there are guys who can make shots like that. It just works for them. The, the, the biggest one was uh, the biggest IU one was Jordan holes with that side saddle shot. You would never teach that to a young kid playing basketball, but Jordan holes, it worked perfectly for him. Allen Iverson was a guy who had a really weird shot, but it worked for him. I mean, there, there are examples. It's really a rare, unique thing when guys have an alternate version of shooting and it works for them. Um, and Demise does that. I mean, he has a very odd shot and it goes in. And, um, you know, the key is just not rushing it. And the key is being set when he shoots and all those things, which sometimes we saw last year and we saw, uh, we've seen early this year that he just kind of hurries himself and, and the ball doesn't go in. But when he's in rhythm and when he's shooting and and has time to do it, he's making shots. And tonight, what he did that impressed me was in 16 minutes, he scored 14 points, got six rebounds, six of nine from the field. And, and none of his shots were really forced. He was, you know, playing with you know within himself and and grabbing rebounds and putting a shot back up instead of you know just firing threes or anything like that so he came by those points honestly it wasn't a guy forcing things and and that was what impressed me the most and defensively he moved his feet a lot better tonight and i don't know if that's the opponent or what but they did not take advantage i i texted you guys i think it was two games ago that if i was a, an offense i would just target demisi on every single possession because he doesn't move his feet well and he's not quick and all those things. I would just go at him every time, make them guard, make him guard somebody. And tonight, Troy did not take advantage of that at all. And and in some cases where they did go at him, he looked pretty good. So uh, kudos to, to Demisi, a guy who I've been skeptical of. And I thought he played a great game tonight. I thought he was smart with the ball. Uh, and I thought he let his opportunities come to him. And he didn't, you know... Guys can get into a rhythm when they're three-point shooters and when they're shooters like that, where every time they touch the ball, they just want to hurl it at the basket. And he did not do that tonight. He took shots when they were there and when they were open and when he had the opportunity and, and was very efficient with it. So kudos to him. I thought this was his best game so far easily. Well, and I think he's a guy that if if we continue to see the post players be able to pass as well, if he can relocate smartly on the perimeter and be able to continue to knock down open shots, I mean, that's what he's... That's what he's there for. And, and to your point, I thought he played better defensively, but he's still going to give up some some baskets on that. End. Oh, and for he has sure. To be able to score. But if he can play the way he did tonight, create additional opportunities through offensive rebounds uh, and just playing really hard and, and playing smart on the offensive end, moving without the ball. Well, 
he can be a real asset. And I think you look at the depth of this year's team and he's a perfect example of that, of a guy who you weren't quite sure where he was going to fit in. And uh, if he can continue to, you know, build on a performance like this and, and this is what he's able to do in spurts, it becomes really, uh, really beneficial for everybody else look, around him. It's at some point you're going to need a guy in a big 10 game to come off the bench and get hot and get you 15 and a half, you know, I mean, and, and that's, he has, the he has the the upside ability to do that. The question is, does he keep working on the rest of his game and round it out? Because he could be a weapon for this team if he's smart about the way he plays, if he can move his feet. Because it, it doesn't matter how many points you score if you give up the same amount on the other end. You know, it's it's about developing the rest of his game. But you're right. I thought that tonight was better, but there's a lot of work to do. So this isn't like Demise is the finished product. This is awesome. It's a hugely encouraging performance, though. I will say that. Yeah, the other the other moment I wanted to hit was uh, actually on the the halftime show on the Big Ten Network, and and people may have actually you know missed that because they either turned over to watch a football game or uh, or do something else. But Robbie Hummel, as they were going through the you know, some of the highlights from the first half, made a comment about how the chemistry on this year's team just seemed a lot better, and he attributed some of the success that they had. Uh, in the first half, and, and I don't know that he went so far as to say you know so far this season was was related to you know what what appeared to him to be improved chemistry on the team. I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts, Ryan, as to you know how much stock you put into something like that. I don't know what he knows or doesn't know to make him say that. I do think you can see things on the court that definitely the the overall like kind of movement and flow offensively suggests him. Suggest I don't know, but I don't know if that's chemistry or just less being less reliant on a couple guys. I, you think there's well, validity the, to that argument based on what if you the suggestion know is that these guys? Yeah, if if there's a, if the suggestion is well, these guys like each other more. Well, a lot of these guys have just played together for a while. They they might just like each other more and and, and you know know each other better. And you know it, these are all the types of guys that Archie Miller wanted to recruit because look at who's there and and it's the, these are his recruiting classes. These are his guys that are playing and. You know, when you're a coaching staff, you're looking for a certain personality as much as you're looking for a certain type of talent. Uh, you want to bring guys in who fit mentally with what you're doing as well as physically. And so, yeah, you're seeing guys who I, I, I you're seeing guys share the ball more. I mean, there's just the times where, like you said about the you point out the race Thompson, Jackson Davis, like interior pass earlier that was really pretty uh, to get to get trace the layup. And or I, yeah, I think it was a layup, not a dunk, but whatever. He got points on the interior. Race Thompson could have easily gone up with that ball, but he saw the other guy maybe a little, you know, percentage wise had about a 10% better chance of making his shot. He gives it up and, and these guys are willing to move the ball and willing to share the ball and they're helping each other defensively moving well. All of that does come down to a level of chemistry. I don't know if it's there were jerks on the team before and they didn't like playing together or anything like that, or if it's just guys being around each other, you know, and spending more time together and maybe having an understanding with each other on and off the court. And, you know, it sounds really cheesy, but a brotherhood kind of develops when you're spending that much time with somebody. And these guys have all played together for a while now. And and it, it's not got it's you know, it's guys staying in the program for a while and all that. And also I'm sure having, you know, leaders like uh, a Devonte green, who's apparently taking a huge leadership role on this team. Joey Brunk has come in and taken a leadership role. Al Durham has taken a leadership role. Deron Davis has taken a leadership role. All of those guys being leaders helps, you know, foster that kind of chemistry because they want to win and 
they're going to down the line tell guys, you know, to get along with each other and to share the ball. And they're going to foster those um, type of commitment things to each other where you're all fighting. You know, it's supposed to be a team moving together, not a bunch of individual guys individually pushing things. It's supposed to all work together. And so you're seeing that more and more. I mean, you look at the depth on this team and you look at every game where it seems like four or five, six guys in double figures. I mean, that's everybody chipping in. You look at tonight, everybody who played extended minutes scored. I mean, it's just a con- you're getting contributions from everybody. And so I, I think that there's something to that. I don't know what the cause is specifically, but you know, this is the way it's supposed to be in basketball. Is you're going to have guys around for a long time who help foster that chemistry and help push guys uh, to sort of accept certain things and, and, and play a certain way. Yeah, I definitely think it, I think the balance is part of it. I, there were definitely a number of you know you mentioned that play with race. I think there was a number of of times when I felt like guys had chances to take tougher shots and they gave it to a teammate for a better shot. Um, yep. And I think just you see it on breakaways this year too. Last year was a lot of guys just going all the way by themselves, and now you're seeing guys find the open man and move the ball and and. And I feel like the fast break offense is way better because it's not just guys trying to go up against three guys. It's it's they're moving it. Yeah, I think that there's a level of unselfishness and and sharing the ball. And I think some of that comes from not really having a clear go to guy. Uh, and as you said, you know, you had four guys in in double figures in the first half alone that ended up being that way for the game. But everybody uh, who played minutes, as you said, con- contributed. So um, yeah, I think I don't know if it's you know mistaking chemistry for balance or uh, unselfishness or whatever the case may be. So again, I, I think it's hard to uh, attribute all, all of what you see to chemistry, but, uh, certainly a lot of things are going yeah, well. If you're not in that 58 room. points in the first half. So, yeah, if you're not in the locker room, it's hard to know exactly what's going on, obviously, but uh, everything has looked so positive this year. It's just, yeah. you know, I know that, you know, of course, like considering the opponents and all that, but there's just something about the way they're playing that just seems more together. Yep. All right, well, let's go inside the numbers on this 100-62 to 62 victory. Uh, we touched on a handful of these already. Uh, you know, free throw shooting, uh, IU gets to the line 30 times again, um, which continues to be a strength. They were 21 of 30, so 70% on the game. Just 8 of 15 in the second half, so that number did, uh, did dip a little bit. But I, again, I think whether it's how the games are being officiated, because uh, I use in the double bonus, I think within – eight minutes of the, the yeah. game starting. Uh, some of that is aggressiveness. Some of that is ticky tack fouls and, and taking advantage of how the game's being called to a certain extent. But, um, you know, we've seen that be a point of emphasis for this team. I think that continues to be a, a positive total of 21 assists uh, compared to 12 turnovers on the night, uh, 10 and 10 assists to seven turnovers in the second half. So that number was even, um, you know, even a little bit better in the first half. So I think that, yeah. Continues to be a good number. Uh, IU shot 39% from three and uh, overall shot almost 54% from the floor. So I think a game where uh, not a whole lot didn't go well statistically yeah. on the uh, on the offensive end. Uh, you yeah. mentioned the rebounding numbers and all those kinds of things. Crazy. Um, 51-38, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was big. Um, you know, bench points had 33 points off the bench, uh, which continues to be a positive. 18 second chance points. Mentioned the points off of turnovers earlier. Uh, we hit on some of the defensive numbers. I, I don't know, Ryan, as you you know look down the uh, down the box score, any any big ones that we haven't hit so far that that stood out to you from a individual or team standpoint. Well, the first one is it wasn't a blowout on the free throw line. In fact, Troy shot one more free throw than than I. You did a lot of that because of some late fouling. 
but they shot 31 free throws. So it wasn't, this wasn't like Indiana just won because they went to the free throw line more, which is the way you felt about, uh, it, you know, the North Alabama game felt like they really took advantage of the free throw line and kind of won that way. Um, I, I would say the fact that they held, I we've talked about it. They, they held, uh, Troy to five of 25 th- from three. That's 20%. They held them overall from the field 20 of 63 for 31%. I mean, that's, I don't care who you're playing. That's good defense. You're, you're showing up and you're playing defense at that point. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Also 21 assists, uh, was a big, was a big one for me. 21 assists on 35 field goals is, is a good number. Only 12 turnovers, five in the first half. I mean, the first half to me in these games is where you really take turnovers seriously because sometimes they wind up being a blowout in the second half. A guy has to throw the ball all around the gym. That five turnovers in the first half helped them get off to a really good start. They, they really didn't, you know, throw the ball over the gym. They knew what they were doing and they, and they found the, the, the right people open in the right situations. Um, and then, yeah, I think the, the, the rebounding battle was, was absolutely huge for IU to, to go for 51 and then get 15 offensive rebounds was another big thing. And, and Archie, I saw in one of the post game quotes, he said that the offensive rebounding is huge because it breaks the back of the defense. They've already, they've stopped you. And then you get another chance. And that is demoralizing. If you've ever played basketball, you know, that's the worst feeling in the world where you have a, good defensive possession, make them take a bad shot, and then they get the rebound and get to start all over again. So um, that's real positive, and, and I think that that's something they can, they can continue to build on. The rebounding numbers have been great this year for IU. Yeah, the one uh, individual that I wanted to talk about was Al Durham. He was the you know, fourth double-digit scorer and the one that we haven't really touched on too much so far. He ends with game Kind of seven. quietly, right? Yeah, 17 points. To some, yeah, somewhat quiet, 17 points. He was three of four from three, hit all four of his free throws, uh, four assists, a couple turnovers, had another nice block, led the team in plus-minus uh, at plus 29 uh, based on the box score that I'm looking at. I think that... Uh, you know, you start to see, I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment period for him as, as guys start to get healthy and roles start to get sorted out. I think it was another adjustment for him tonight with Rob being out. He assumed a bit more of a, a primary ball handling role. Devonte comes back and, um, you know, is playing a little bit off the ball. So I think, you know, Al's being asked to wear a lot of different hats so far, uh, through the, the preseason game and the four, uh, the, the four non-conference games. But I thought overall, yeah, kind of a quiet, you know, if you can have a quiet 17 points, I thought his, uh, his definitely fell into that category. Anything stand out to you from Al uh, during the game? He's very, he's just super confident when he steps into a shot. He really is this year more than, more than last year. I mean, it's, it's enormous. The difference when he steps into an outside shot this year, uh, three of four on the night from three, all of them look like good shots. I think he kind of forced the one he missed, but it was, I mean, it was still acceptable given his track record. Uh, of shooting so far this year uh, hit all four of his free throws is going to be another thing. That's going to be huge. If he's going to be handling the ball, if he's going to be on the perimeter last year, you're almost worried when anybody got fouled and went to the line and who's the guy who's going to have the ball in their hands late to shoot a free throw. Well, Durham, Devontae green, Rob fantasy, they can all shoot free throws this year. It seems, um, I mean, Devontae could last year, but so I'm just assuming that's going to carry over this year. Uh, but then five and 10 from the field. I thought sometimes when Al went into the paint and drove, he kind of forced it a little bit, uh, as opposed to maybe finding a teammate or looking to back it out and do something um, with the ball. Uh, but again, a four assist. He had a beautiful uh, pass to Joey Bronk, who uh, had a layup and got fouled for an and one, which was really nice. 
Um, it, it also looks like Al's having fun. It looks like he is really just enjoying playing basketball and being on the floor. And I felt like last year at times, all of the perimeter guys looked like they took way too much uh, onto themselves and were really forcing it. It feels like this year guys are playing loose and they're having fun. And again, might be that there's no pressure against these these early season opponents, but it just feels like a general vibe on the team. And Al is showing it as much as anybody, just that he's he's out there and he's attacking and having fun and stepping into shots and you know, playing defense and, and, you know, his off ball defense needs some work. He gets lost every once in a while. Uh, but on ball, I feel like he's, he's being super aggressive and super locked in defensively. So really just a, a nice all around game. And the fact that again, he had 17 points tonight. If you had asked me, I would have been like, eh, maybe 10 for Al tonight. I just, I, he didn't, it, it wasn't a game that he dominated, but he chipped in 17 points, four assists, two rebounds, um, you know, a block shot that was really nice on a recovery. Um, you know, just a and again, lead and plus minus, as you said, with plus twenty nine. That was just a really nice night for him. That you know didn't seem like it had to be all that huge. Yeah, just overall, really good balance for IU. As you look at, I was looking at the the Ken Palm, you know, possession, you know, possession to use numbers, and there's just a ton of guy. Nobody more than twenty four, and of the guys who, you know, who played most of the minutes, almost everybody was somewhere in a you know usage rate of between nineteen and twenty four. So really balanced effort. Uh, you know, a lot of guys got playing time. Nobody played more than 28 minutes. And, uh, again, of the, the core guys, Joey Brunk was the only one to play less than 15. So, you know, good balanced effort. Got a lot of guys in there. Uh, perhaps the biggest number that everybody hope may, may calm some of the fears about IU's defense is 0.81 points per possession, uh, over the course of the, uh, the game tonight. So a positive step in that direction for that. It just becomes a matter of, uh, you know, sustaining that level of, uh, of defensive intensity as we move forward with the rest of the non-conference. But coming up on the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls and hit any lingering storylines, and we'll look ahead to IU's next opponent. Then it's time for last call. That's all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have already subscribed. You can also text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down IU's 100-62 win over Troy. And now it's time for game balls. Uh, hopefully we will uh, will not split the vote here, but uh, I'll let you monitor the chat mob Have we should we need to go to them to uh, break the tie. But I'll let you go first. Uh, game ball for tonight's game. Uh, I got to go with Trace Jackson Davis, 17 points, 14 rebounds, uh, an assist to only two turnovers and a block um, and two steals. Uh, he was six of six from the field, five and nine for the free throw line, missed a couple free throws in a row. We, t- we discussed that. I don't, I just think he got into a bad rhythm there, but I just thought on both ends of the floor was super active. The 14 rebounds are huge. 
um, for them offensive. I just felt that he was the guy who set the tone early and kept it going. You easily could say Justin Smith because he played such a uh, an efficient, consistent game. Uh, but I got to go with Jackson Davis because I think that his ability to control the game early was what set the tone and, and got IU off on the right foot for this blowout. Um, and I just thought that he, and we've talked about it, I thought he and Ray Thompson really just controlled the paint early and then early in the second half as well. Um, and, and again, you know, he had the highlight big plays you expect from the five star, that breakaway, you know, Tomahawk dunk was awesome. And um, just, you know, everything he does, you just, you're starting to see a guy emerge who's going to be one of the best freshmen in the country. Uh, maybe not as far as on draft boards or whatever, but just his performance and his ability is, is going to be off the charts. And I, I think that he uh, proved tonight again, why he was such a highly touted uh, recruit and to in 25 minutes be plus 27 is crazy and and he just did it again and and so i i i just don't even i i can see an argument for for justin smith but i i just think that trace was the guy tonight yeah i would agree i'll, I'll give mine to trace as well uh yeah we had not yet mentioned that uh, kind of windmill uh dunk that he had going down sweetness uh, off of a uh, yeah that was that was a really nice play and, and just you know he did a good job making passes out of the post off of deron davis off of the post yeah uh, off of deron davis steal of all things too yeah like, you anytime know. you can get those two out pressuring the ball near half court you you have to right um but it was yeah i mean a, a big play the kind of highlight real play that we we expect from him had the other one that uh I think it was him where the one that Devante either shot or passed it off the backboard. Uh, that was trace. That was the recipient of that, right? Yeah. Was that, I think that was, that, him was, that was trace. Yeah. That was trace. So yeah, a couple, as you said, you know, highlight real type plays, but I, I just think his overall intensity level, he seems to be a guy that brings it pretty much every night. Uh, and that's, I feel like one of the things that when he would get interviewed about coming to IU and, and talking about some of the struggles in last year's team, uh, where he just talked about you know some of that emotion and intensity uh, that he would bring, and I think he's lived up to every bit of that so far. Uh, a, a really solid double double and a, another really good game for him. So, uh, yeah, Justin certainly honorable mention given how well he played, and uh, th- those to me were the two that really stood out from the game tonight. So that gives Trace- and they both they both blew up early too to you know to like to to put start things on the right foot. I think and that that was big and a huge key tonight. Yep, I would agree. So that's Trace's third game ball. So he's uh, dominating the game balls just as he has the gold jersey, it sounds like. So that's a, that's a positive when a freshman is having that kind of impact. Uh, the, the only rotation guys that, that we really haven't touched on too much would be Armand Franklin, who ended the game with six points. Brunk had five. Uh, Deron Davis had two. And, and Jerome Hunter had four. Uh, don't think we need to get into you know all of those guys specifically, but I don't know, Ryan, if any of them stood out to you, good or bad, for one reason or another. Yeah, I thought Jer- Jerome Hunter forced things offensively tonight. Um, I, I really thought he was just taking shots, take shots, and and not really um, getting the best looks that he could. And and you know, I get it; he's been out for a long time, and and you know, he wants to show that every time he does something, it's not a fluke, and and he wants to sort of build on it. And I thought tonight was one of those games. It's going to be a he's going to have to take a deep breath after and realize, hey. You've been out for a year. You're going to have some stinkers of games. And tonight was definitely one. He, he had five fouls. He you know fouled out. Um, and and I just felt like I thought I actually thought he played better defensively tonight. But offensively, it felt like he was trying to force things and and try and get on the board. And he missed. I think his first three shots were just and and one of them was a long air ball. And and again, I just think that 
things are going to come for Jerome Hunter and he's going to have a good season, I think. But he also needs to understand when things aren't going well, the idea shouldn't be to continue to force things. It should be to simplify and, and maybe find easier baskets. If you really want to score, get in the post. You've done it before. Um, you know, or, or, or drive and try and get in the middle. And if guys suck over to you, pass the ball, you know? Um, so I just think that it's, it's, again, it's, 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 it's a step back. It's a time for him to step back a little, understand you're going to have a rough game here and there. But um, I just, I thought that he was the one that stood out as really having a tough, a tough night. And, uh, but I, I don't think it's, it's anything that'll linger. I think it's the fact that again, he's, you know, fourth game after sitting out an entire year, you're going to have your rough patches. Yeah, the other the the other two that I'd hit would be you know the combination of Joey Brunk and Deron Davis. They didn't have a ton of points, but they did have six assists between them, and I think that underscores some of what we had talked about earlier with how well the big guys are passing the ball out of the post. To the points that you made earlier, I struggle to you know I struggle to watch other lineups that don't contain those guys, and then watch lineups with them on the floor and say, "Hey, I need to see more of this and and less of uh, you know less of the other." But I, I do think. You know, if they are going to play them, they have to, you know, you have to play through them in some sense, because if you're going to put a big guy out there who is going to get put in ball screens pretty much every time on the defensive end, you really have to, you know, force feed them offensively to a certain extent. And if you're going to do that, they need to be able to pass out of, uh, you know, trouble in the post. And tonight was a good example of them being able to do that. So uh, a positive development for for those guys, uh, even as everybody's still trying to sort out, you know, what, what lineups look like with and without them and where that all shakes out. But, uh, Otherwise, uh, you know, coming up next for us from an assembly call standpoint, uh, we've got Banner Monday uh, coming up here in a couple days with Mike DeCourcy and uh, and Ryan also answering questions. Uh, so we'll kind of see what shakes out with the Big Ten after the uh, after the weekend. Get Mike's opinion on where IU sits in the pecking order, and then the next game for the Hoosiers is Wednesday against Princeton uh, at home. Princeton currently zero and three on the season, and they played last Wednesday. Don't play again until they play IU. They've lost uh, at Duquesne, at San Francisco, and to Lafayette at home. So a team picked kind of around the middle of the Ivy League that I think uh, maybe at, at certain points in the offseason thought maybe this would be one of the better teams that IU will play in the non-conference. I don't think the results would suggest that that's, that's true. It's really Louisiana Tech, I think, is the one, uh, if any, to look at as we head through the rest of November. Uh, from a, a Ken Palm standpoint, um, defensively, Princeton has really struggled uh, defending the three. They're 345th in three-point defense, uh, and uh, effective field goal defense as a result, as you might suspect, is pretty poor, and uh, overall they rank outside of the top 200 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So uh, not a lot of... uh, not a lot of highlights, not a lot of green on the uh, Ken Palm page for, for Princeton. If uh, <laughs> those who, <laughs> well, I, those who reference that frequently know that that's not necessarily a, a great thing. And I've mentioned this before, but there is a, a freshman on that team who went to uh, my alma mater, my high school. So it'll be interesting for me to watch him. He was, uh, he led them to a state title last year. So I hope the best for his career. Clearly it's not going well <laughs> yet, but good so, luck. If anything, watch watch for that, folks. We've, yeah, uh, watch for that. See what yeah. he does. I don't know why we. I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, if you need a reason, see the second. His name is his first name is Ryan. It's the second best Ryan turned out by Loya <laughs> Country Day. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, maybe tune in next time. You'll find out who the first was. Um. All right. Yeah. So we. <laughs> so with that, I think uh, I think we're ready for last call. Unless there's anything else you wanted to hit, which I will let you do in your uh, in your last call. So wrap us up here. Uh, thoughts on a 38 point IU victory. 
Uh, this is what games like this are supposed to look like. You play an inferior opponent and you're a good team. You're supposed to blow them out. And for a long time, it felt like when Indiana had these games, it was a struggle or it was white. We were white knuckling it or or it just there were so many disappointments in the game that it didn't feel like a big win. Uh, this felt like a big win. It felt like a, this is this is a team coming together. Again, I know the opponents aren't that great, but this team needed a chance to really develop itself. A lot of young guys, a lot of guys, you know, didn't play much last year. Uh, finally, getting an opportunity to shine and and um, really showing up, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And there's value in that. Uh, there's value in in accomplishing the tasks you're supposed to accomplish on a basketball floor, regardless of who the opponent is. And I thought the rebounding, the interior play, uh, hitting 39% of your threes. Uh, 70% of your free throws, things like that, you can take value in. And and I thought the defense was was really good as well. So I just thought that Indiana did everything it was supposed to do. And quite frankly, over the last five, six years, they haven't always done that. So it's 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 nice to see. And it, it may seem like a little thing, but it's nice to see uh, when this team comes through and does what it's supposed to do. Yep. Uh, Before my last call, just a quick reminder that because you're an assembly call listener, you get 20% off of your entire order over at homefieldapparel.com with the promo code assembly20. So if you want a great deal on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you'll find anywhere, go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code assembly20 for 20% off your entire order. Uh, So a couple of things I wanted to hit off the top that are tangentially related to the game uh first uh saw a lot of uh, a lot of cool footage from the hoosier hysterics event that was put on today everybody yeah, really awesome talked about guys, how well uh warden eric did at uh, getting all that together i'm sure as basically everybody knows right now uh by now that uh, bob knight stopped at the event and uh and talked a bit toward the end and a, a lot of former players there it looked like a really 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 cool event and one that was really well done uh saw nothing but positives and uh, and people talking about how it exceeded their expectations. So uh, kudos to those guys for a, uh, a cool event. And hopefully a lot of our listeners uh, got to spend some time there as well. Saw a good uh, IU, decent IU football performance, a little bit disappointing in some ways. Uh, seemed like people headed over to the volleyball game and then to IU uh, and then to assembly call or assembly hall for the basketball game. Uh, soccer team plays for the, the Big Ten Championship tomorrow. So uh, an exciting weekend of IU sports for sure. And the second, uh, just a shout out to uh, our friend, Tax Megan. Her husband uh, has had some medical issues this week and uh, sounds like he's he's home now and on the mend. So shout out to Willis for uh, hopefully the game provided a little bit of healing and a good distraction over the course of the evening for him. Uh, and, and for me, from a last call standpoint, I, I, you know, I, I really think if you, unfortunately, we do the show after the entirety of the game. I think if we did it after the first 24 minutes, it might have been an even more, uh, yeah. more excited. Maybe it also been much earlier uh, and potentially would not have had technical issues to start. But uh, be that as it may, um, I just thought, you know, those first 24 minutes were probably the, the best that, that we've seen this team play over the over the beginning of the season. Uh, and particularly, you know, as I mentioned in the opening was really impressed with how they came out of the locker room and really kept up that intensity. Uh, you know, things kind of derailed from there as, you know, 40 point games often do. Uh, but I really thought on the heels of, you know, some, some question marks, at, at least, uh, you know, warning signs, whatever you want to say over the, you know, course of the last couple of games defensively, thought the effort level, uh, just, attention to detail was pretty good for the most part on the, on the defensive end. And they really held the team that came in shooting really well from three point range uh, to five for 25 over the course of the game. And so 
Uh, you know, that, that to me, uh, is a positive sign for this team. You continue to see the balance. And I think that's something that's going to be there throughout the year for, for, for IU. They've just got a lot of guys that can come in and contribute, uh, hopefully keep the, uh, you know, the, the minute countdown at least through these non-conference games. And then we'll have to figure out how those minutes shake out once the competition level ratchets up. But again, a, a game where a lot of guys were able to come in and contribute and a good bounce back spot for Justin Smith, uh, after, a, you know, a, a little bit more of a rough game that I think uh, had people raise some questions about uh, about him. So overall, a really positive performance uh, for IU. 38-point victory, scored 100 points for the first time on the season. And uh, and as we said earlier, got a lot of guys involved, got a lot of guys playing time, and, uh, and uh, really to a man, everybody contributed. So that to me is the sign of a good, uh, good IU game, and we'll see if they can follow that up on Wednesday uh, against Princeton and, uh, and go on from there. But for now, that will do it for this edition of the Assembly Call. Uh, If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops with you again on Banner Monday and after the Princeton game on Wednesday. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player time.